This is Daniel Figelli. You're listening to the AI and Business Podcast, where non-technical professionals stay ahead of the AI curve. You've probably been to a grocery store and seen people walking down the aisles, scanning items, maybe jotting things down, putting things into a cart. There is a massive ongoing process in the grocery and CPG and retail space broadly of counting our inventory, making sure the price is right on our inventory, making sure things are stacked and sorted in the right and proper ways. And there's a lot of rather repetitive human effort that goes into that workflow. In today's episode, we talk about where AI might fit in to not only speed up that process, but potentially improve the experience of the individual employees who are working there. Our guest this week is Christian Florkemeyer. He is the CTO and co-founder of Scandit. Scandit is an AI firm focused on smart data capture and barcode scanning. Christian previously received his PhD in computer science in Zurich and was the associate director for the AI ID lab at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology here in Massachusetts. In this episode, Christian focuses on this retail workflow of checking inventory and checking prices. The thing I think is particularly important for our listeners in this episode is to tune in for the factors around adoption. This is a company with hundreds of employees that's learned a lot from being able to deploy AI in the real world. And Christian brings up a lot of important points around end user experience. Efficiency is critical, but how it feels in terms of the drudgery of the actual end user actually ends up being a pretty darn big factor in terms of whether these technologies stick and get adopted or not. So we've got some cool computer vision use cases, some great efficiencies to discuss, and also some great adoption advice. There is a lot to unpack in here. This episode is brought to you by Scandit. To learn more about reaching Emerge's global audience via audio, email, or otherwise, stay tuned to the end of this episode. Otherwise, we've got a lot to cover, so let's fly right in. This is Christian with Scandit here on the AI and Business Podcast. So Christian, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Yes, glad to have you with us. I know we're flying into the sector of retail, and there's a number of use cases we're going to cover, ones that I don't actually think we've covered on the show before, which is always the kind of podcast I like to record. But I want to talk first about what's putting AI and emerging tech on the radar for retail leaders. I know you and I have talked off microphone about some of the kind of bigger trends in the sector itself that are forcing it to evolve. COVID was a big deal, et cetera. Talk to us first about what you're seeing impact retail leaders that's making AI even be on their roadmap. I mean, we, we're seeing inflation being a big topic these days, right? And, and, and really sort of in, in, in almost in two different aspects. One of being that inflation basically means price of goods goes up and prices in the stores from a very practical perspective just need to be changed. Price levels need to be changed, adjusted in a much higher frequency. Depends a little bit on which country it is, but in generally a problem for almost all retailers that the frequency with which price labels have to be adjusted and kept up to date and has definitely increased in recent months and, and quarters. In that sense, the put more pressure on how to make sure that you know pricing in the stores is actually accurate and not driving you know customer loyalty because I think we all know, right? Like if you if you see a certain price, then you arrive at the checkout, that is not the price that you show at the shelf. That is not a great customer experience. And and if the store associate then needs to go and check the price at the at the shelf, it's it actually contributes to significant labor costs in that moment. So you know you lose on you lose on the on the manual cost side, on the customer loyalty side. So having wrong price is a major issue, you know, all the way down to fines. And that really being triggered by more price changes due to inflation. And then the other part that we're really seeing with, with inflation is that it's impacts 
margins, right? Because on the one hand, there's less budget available to consumers. So, you know, less spending going on. On the other hand, you know, prices on the procurement side are going up. So when you look at that, there, there's a squeeze of the margin there, which basically means that you need to, to really, you know, execute really well in all other areas of the store, right? Sort of, you know, are the shelves fully stocked? Are you running your promotions com campaigns accurately? Are there no gaps? So that, you know, when the customer is willing to spend some money in your stores, that they can actually purchase that product. So shelf management and shelf execution is becoming an even bigger topic to make sure that as there is sort of less budget available, that you really make sure when the customer is willing to spend that he actually can make those purchases that he wants to do, right? So we're definitely seeing, seeing these sort of, you know, inflation being a big topic. And then the other one is, is sort of an ongoing trend from, from COVID, right? It's labor shortage. You know, retail sellers, it's, it's still tricky. Still tricky finding, finding, finding labor, you know, a high turnover rate, same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So dealing with less people being forced to do more with less. Exactly. And, and make, yeah. making work attractive, right? I mean, I think that this, this plays into it. Mm. When, you, when you look at this, some of these tasks aren't that exciting and, 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 and actually quite tedious, right? So, you know, what we're seeing from on the retailer side, really a concern around how can I make the life of the store so it's easier? One, you know, to, to, to save manual costs. So you need, in that sense, you know, you, you can deal with that shortage of labor in a better way. On the other hand, also for the folks who are doing that task, making their job nicer, better, right? If you, if you, if you have a super tedious task, say you get asked to, to validate that the price is right on 5,000 SKUs, that is not the most exciting task to go and execute, right? As yeah, opposed yeah, to, yeah. you know, interacting with the customer and giving them advice and, having knowledge and really being perceived as, you know, a, a value generating exercise. So we're seeing that that sort of labor shortage really going two ways, right? We're doing, doing more with less labor. And then on the other hand, you know, doing the, taking care of the labor in, or like making the jobs more interesting and avoid that, you know, those associates say like, hey, I don't want to do this job anymore. I'm going to do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting that the, the, employee experience side of things being a potential trend. We don't we don't see a lot of vendors playing directly to that angle, but it's curious to to see sort of the emphasis that you're putting on it. And I know we've got use cases to cover today. You were yep. just talking about, you know, getting some intelligence on the shelves. This is part of what you guys do. I'd love to get a sense of, you know, as you walk through kind of the shelf analysis sort of use case, how it's done today and then where AI fits into the mix, because making this visual in the mind of our listeners, I think is really my goal today. So yeah, give us a sense of this use case. And, and again, yeah, how it's being done today and, and into the future. Yeah, no, I mean, just in, in some way, right, this is, this is so when you look at this, these processes really haven't changed in, I don't know, 20, 30 years in a sense, right? Is, is, is maybe, you know, with, with a little bit of, of technology support, but fundamentally, if, if you're being asked to do a price audit on the price labels in the store, What's the process today? Well, you either get a, a piece of paper with the list of the products and the prices, and you walk up to the shelves and you, you look at this and you're saying like, is that correct? Is it not correct? It's sort of the, the slightly more modern version built on, on data capture device, but even that hasn't changed for the last 20, you know, 10, 20 years, is you get a, you know, a, a typical scanner gun, you, you scan that price label, mm -hmm. you flip it, you, you look at it and saying, ah, oh, it should be 199. And you look at the shelf label and it says like, oh, it says 199. You press a button and you move on to the next one. And then you do that another 10,000 times, right? So you can, I did this. <laughs> I tried <laughs> it out. I can go tell you, you <laughs> stop 
seeing the errors because you you know like you you saw and you're like okay I scanned this on uh, 199 next one you 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 start seeing double it is a very tedious task and very yeah. wrong in that sense right and and as a result on top of that when you also look at it is you really get very little support right it's the human is doing all the intelligence here right in some way the technology is actually being pretty stupid it, the only thing it's doing is it's scanning a machine vision symbol and then it's telling you what the price is supposed to be as opposed to you know really helping the user in some some meaningful way intelligence comes down to the store so you're doing this over and over and over again right and so when you look at this from an ai perspective sort of wouldn't it be great to shift that tediousness to the to technology, right? In the sense that what the human is good at is to decide if something is wrong to do something about it, right? And to decide like, okay, now what what what's the issue? Is the price label wrong? You know, is, is there something else going on? Replacing the price label, you know, that's that's what the human is really good at. That flexibility in that moment deciding this, because as we're talking about AI, that's probably you know, it's we're, we're quite far away from from giving any system that kind of flexibility and that kind of intelligence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But fundamentally, a camera system to go and read that barcode to actually read the price label at the same time, and then you know with, a, with an AR overlay go on the side and saying like, oh, that price is actually right and that price is wrong, that makes that process much simpler, right? So as a store associate, rather than the process I mentioned earlier, right? Scan a gun, scan the barcode, look at the price, look at it, press a button. Now, the only thing I'm doing is I basically I'm holding up my mobile device, I'm pointing it at the shelf. It reads all the barcodes. It reads all the prices, and I get augmented reality overlays on my screen that tell me all these prices are correct. This price is wrong. That needs to be replaced. And if I have a mobile printer, the only thing I need to go and do, yep, go and print this, and I replace it and done. And I think that speaks a little bit to what I mentioned earlier. Right? Is we also looked at implementations of this where we, from an AI perspective, the user would just take the picture. Or just do this analysis and then it gets sent off. But we saw that this wasn't popular with, with retailers, right? It was really mm. around how do you, the store associate felt like a robot now, right? Because he was really just there to take a picture. Yeah. And, and then afterwards, he got tasked to do something. So we really saw a benefit in that sense where this sort of AI component actually in situ helped the store associate to do their tasks, right? So it's, it's not something where they get to ask to do something extra in that sense, but it's, it's something that speeds up a task that they you know, kind of already had and just made it much more convenient. Huh. So th there's a lot to unpack here in terms of how this works. So I'm going to sort of paint a broader visual picture for the listeners as well, but just checking in on a couple of things. Adoption of technology is always very interesting, as, as you're well aware, you know, the, the, the self-evident, oh, this will solve this problem. It's, there's so much more than that, how the stakeholders respond to things. Healthcare is a wild example because, you know, what benefits the CFO or the patient might be an annoyance to the doctor, in which case it's never going to get adopted. So you're, you're talking about, we're talking about retail here today. Very interesting that there's the idea of, you know, taking images and then they can be processed somewhere in the cloud that can be piped down into a checklist somewhere. Makes sense. I mean, it's way less time than we were doing before, but does it still feel like drudgery to the user, to the person holding the camera? If the answer is yes, maybe now it's, it's still not going to get adopted despite the fact that it could be more efficient. So we need to find a way to make it user-friendly and feel the right way to the users in addition to driving efficiency. It sounds like that's the sweet spot you're talking about trying to arrive at here. Absolutely, right? Like the way we're looking at this, right, is, is, is and I think we, we, this is also a lesson that we learned, right? We look at the saying, initially we were very much about visibility. And, and as you said, right, we looked at like, you know, how can we provide more 
more insights to the store manager and also maybe you know, the regional you know, merchandising teams in terms of you know, what are things like in the store. We realize that's a really bad idea. You know, it's, it's, it's exactly the analogy with the doctors and the, and the commercial teams in the sense, right? Because if, if it doesn't work for the store associate, you're not going to go and succeed as much as you yeah. like this, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah. they need to tag this task and they will, you know, in that sense, and rightly so, right? Like you and me doing that task would be exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd probably be like, get if me I out of here. Like a robot and I'd be asked to, like, I'm doing so many other things and then I'm responsible for And now I'm being asked on top of that. Yeah, and by the way, can you audit yourself by taking these images? Mm, I probably find a lot of good reasons, you know, to make that yeah. the last task I'll execute, right? Yeah. If I'm being asked to do this job, I don't like it that much either. And now I'm 10x faster doing it. It's actually super convenient. And I, you know, I, I need to go and step lift. And I feel like, oh, great. I, I don't like this task to start with, but now this task actually can be executed 10x faster. That's a whole different story, right? Now you, you're actually putting something in the hand of the store associates where he's also not seeing technology and AI as a threat. We, we got to be very mindful of this, right? In that sense, right? Where you're saying like, this is actually helping me do my, my job in that sense better because I can then help the customer more and, and be more available for you know, customer inquiries, et cetera. So when we are looking at these deployments of machine learning, computer vision, AI, for us, the sort of the human is very much in the loop because you know, in that sense, sort of at a grander picture, right? And I think it's fair to know that as humans, right, we, we are doing a lot of things that we, certain things we know just not, not that good at. Yeah. It's very repetitive, something that, that is actually boring, something that, these are things, you know, such as checking these prices. Actually, computer systems are much better at this. There are certain other things, right, which no computer system in the short term, not much AI we've got, will actually ever replay into, you know, engagement, empathy, flexibility, right? <laughs> no, you know, let's not kid ourselves. No AI system or computer system will beat us at this in years to come, right? Yeah, we're, we're pretty far off. Right. And so, so what, what we sort of, I think, in some way, like, like we think in that sense is, how can you shift some of those tedious tasks to technology so that as humans and, and store associates, I can really focus on these things that, that, that I actually, actually I can do and, you know, systems can't do. And, and really almost like a, you know, like these cobots that you have, right, that where you won't sort of work together. You know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. In that sense, right, with arms and that. But it, it's almost the same thing, right? Like how do, how do you really help the, the store associate do certain tasks just faster? especially the tedious ones, and then, and then have him focus on the ones where, you know, he can leverage his superpowers. We actually did have Rodney Brooks on the show, speaking of cobots, not terribly long ago. But, but yes, I, I like the analogy and where you're headed. And I think the important take-home point or something that really registered for me was, and the workflow has to feel like maybe it could be way more efficient than the manual counting they're doing now. But if it still feels tedious, there still would be resistance. So we need the experience of the end user to also be designed and feel like it's enabling in real time. Otherwise, they feel like they're taking pictures for somebody else and it, it's less engaging for them. Very These interesting dynamics of adoption. Question around this, I'm just going to, again, clarify on this use case. I know we've got one more to cover today. In terms of how this is executed, Obviously, having vision that can not only scan what should be the price, but what is the listed price clearly makes sense. And then to your point, being able to suggest, hey, this price needs to be swapped or this product needs to be swapped or whatever the next action is so that we can update our shelves in a much more efficient manner. Makes sense. I'm with you. Do you see, you know, we've seen a bunch of ways that this could roll out. And I'm sure you guys have your own approach, given the product suite you're developing, other people are doing other things. There were, this is four years ago, a lot of folks that were trying to develop 
bots that would go down the aisles. And then, you know, there were some people that learned, okay, well, we need to redesign our aisles to have like certain level sets so that the robots can really stay on them. Other people saying, no, it's never really going to be bots for most stores. If things are really different, the lighting's different. We're going to need humans holding things. When you think about the future of this space, how do you think that scanning is is really going to manifest itself? Yeah, I mean, I think you already mentioned sort of the robotic approaches, right? Like one of the things that we've seen is, is scalable and sustainable in that way is, and maybe to start with the point, robots are difficult. Robotic deployments are complex, right? We should not kid ourselves, right? It looks really nice, the robot driving down the aisle. There's a lot of things that need to align and a lot of resources and infrastructure needs to be deployed oh, yeah. to do that, right? And what we've seen in real key is any additional piece of hardware deployed is a real significant challenge, right? So, yes. And what we sort of promote in that area is the idea of leverage what you already have, right? We talked about the sort of the mobile price label check just now where you just leverage the mobile devices you have in your store. The same thing applies on the robotic side where rather than, you know, let's go and deploy a whole set of thousands of new robots that need to be maintained, updated, let's leverage what's already there. And many retailers these days, especially the ones with the, with the large stores, they have scrubbers in their stores, right? Scrubbers that, that clean the floor, that make sure that, you know, everything is tidy. They drive around. And there is a pretty widespread deployment of autonomous scrubbers, right? So the idea that, you know, once you have, to, you know, have a scrubber, you know, someone sits on it, drives to the store, the system remembers where to drive. You build in sort of, you know, autonomous car-like technology, AI to detect you know, where you drove, where you are, but also collision avoidance, right? Your, your kids love to play with these robots and so you need to be aware yeah. and, and stop in time, right? You, know, you don't want to run over any, any people in the store. So you need to go and build in these collision avoidance systems. They exist, make these scrubbers autonomous from, you know, driving, you know, the, 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 the return on investment of the scrubbers so you can deal with that labor shortage in a better way that we picked up earlier. So now when we start talking about child management at, a, at scale or even, even, even you can start leveraging these same scrubbers. So no new robots, no new drones that you need to go and deploy, but these same scrubbers that in the first step you made autonomous. And now in the second step, you didn't, you're not, not only making them autonomous in your stores, but you're actually adding camera racks to them so that they are not only cleaning the floors, but they're actually also observing the shelves. And coming back to the previous point that we had, right, is that sort of lines up with, and the intelligence that they're gathering now plays back into the hands of the store associate who now is leveraging that information that the robots collect on terms of where the price is wrong, where are the where are the gaps, where something needs to be, you know, facings need to be adjusted, and can they specifically act on these things, right? So in some way, it's a we're looking at this as as sort of the, the next stage. We see a lot of retailers start with let's start on the mobile side. Let's let let's see the benefits of increasing this efficiency of how I make manage my shelves, and then if, if you feel like for for the next step saying, well, I want to do it even larger scale, start leveraging some of the existing infrastructure you have with these scrubbers and automate that data capture. And then how you act on it is still in the hands of the store associates, of course. Got it. And I think this is steering us into the second use case where I know scrubbers were going to be part of the mix here. Is this more or less where you were going? Where basically, you know, we have these floor scrubbers, we begin augmenting them with some kind of a camera rack that can do some of this job. Is this more or less the the use case you were going to head into? Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Okay, got it. So we can talk a little bit about some of the interesting logistics around making this happen. I know that in some of the early ideas of how these robots would be deployed when it comes to inventory assessment, 
or in this case, pricing, which is the world where, where you guys play. You know, there's so many different concerns, right? There's certain mandates. Well, we need to have seven up on the end caps, right? There's validating that with cameras. There's all kinds of other other things we could we could look at, you know, amount in stock of different products. But if maybe we're just talking about pricing today. A lot of these ran at night when customers weren't around because having robots bumping through and weaving through people and little children in the middle of the day is a pretty bad idea, probably, at least for today's robots. So I presume this is something that would operate, you know, once the store closes down and we would need some kind of lighting potentially mounted on these things, or maybe we keep the lighting on during that time so that we can read all the prices. What would the execution look like for this kind of an upgrade to to start to automate some of this drudgery? You, you, I mean, what we're seeing actually is you don't need to go and have the stores closed. So in that sense, is you, you know, you typically don't want to go and operate them in, in sort of peak time when you also you know, crowded with, with, yes. with, with children, right? So, but you typically see them, you know, running through the stores in just like the scrubbers, to be honest, right? See when the stores are open, but sort of at, at the edge hours, right? So at yeah. the edge hours and, you know, relying on, you know, the collision avoidance is really good these days, right? So, the, you know, the, 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 you, you, you cannot, you know, it, it is it is very difficult slash impossible to go and actually fool, from my understanding. I, I do have to go and say I'm I'm not necessarily an expert on on, on robotic co- collision avoidance. This is not what we do, but we know <laughs> our partners do this really well. Yeah, yeah. So I think you don't need to go and make the stores close. It's when you look at it, I think it's the key drivers is that you know you cannot go and run them say once every hour through the store. If you need that kind of a cadence, you need to start looking for a different solution, right? So it's really maybe a couple of times a day, but in the off hours and run through the store. And then you also deal with the lighting challenge, right? Where, you know, lighting is on in those moments and 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 you don't need to go and worry about that. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, to, to your point, I guess we're running them at off enough. At, at hours where we're not too crowded, we can do one in the morning, one in the evening maybe, still get that good count, still get an understanding of where things are lining up and be able to check. The mounting of the kind of camera racks, presumably if these scrubbers only have to be so tall, right? So there's some kind of a bolting or augmentation on top where we'd have, you know, maybe one camera, maybe a set of cameras for different levels. What does is, what is that execution yeah, exactly. look like from your experience? Yeah, and, and it, it sort of comes down to, you know, careful choice in that sense around how much camera resolution do you need to execute on your processes, right? To actually, you know, read the labels and, and, and do your detection versus how many cameras or how much camera resolution do you want per camera, right? Our, in our experience, this is typically a question of, of, you know, a couple cameras. A single camera is usually not enough given sort of the average height of the uh, retail shelf, but is a little like retailer dependent, right? It depends a little bit how big are your price labels, you know, like the, the data on them. Typically prices are pretty big, but the writing is maybe a little smaller. so. It is a little bit of a question. Some retailers stock, you know, when you look at, you know, cash and carry stores, they typically also store goods at a higher level so that they, they can just bring it down. So it's a little retailer specific about how many cameras you yeah. actually need. Yep. But it, to be clear, is it's typically not sort of a, a warehouse-like system where, you know, you, you have, you can store, you have bin levels, you know. Yeah, 30, 40, 40 feet, feet up in the air. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's typically not the kind of things that we see in a retail store. Yeah, it'd be... Tough to build a rack that way anyway. I don't know if you need drones maybe, flying around no, or something it, like that. It, you know, honestly, we, we, we've seen both, right? Like in those settings, like drones, drones, but but also, you know, sort of arms that extend. But that's not something yep. you deploy in, in a retail store, right? Like, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different. That, that's something for a warehouse-specific environment. Yep. 
when yep, you got it, got it. something like this. You that, that's more bit, bit more of a fragile structure. So you you want to make sure that there's no one around that decides to to tips yes. that off over. <laughs> yes, yes. So final quick question here on this: when it comes to augmenting these scrubbers so that we can scan and get our price checks and inventory checks and whatever else is get some of this monotony out of the way, hopefully. This would show up, I presume, in some kind of a queue for somebody on staff. Is there already some sort of dashboard that most of these retailers play off of where, hey, Stephen, when you clock in today, we're going to swap this product out. We need to change the, the price for this. Is there already a dashboard or is that something new that has to be built by vendors like yourself? No, not 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 really, right? It's 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 more like you know task management systems are, are are pretty you know are pretty common, right? And some kind of digitization, right? I'd say like almost every retailer today uses some kind of mobile device that the store the store associate has in their hands, and that's where you see those tasks. Okay, related, right? What what we typically see is, you know, like or like what we promote in those areas, right? It's, it's so it's ideally not just the task that you generate, you know, if, if you combine it with a robotic system like that, it's just much more specific, right? When you can go and say, as opposed to, you can say like, well, you know, like we didn't have any sales for this item. That's a little surprising giving our typical records, go and check it. And then the store associate runs all the way out there to go and figure out, you know, something's missing or everything's in order and someone actually didn't deploy it. Now you actually have much more specific tasks, right? Because you do know, you know, we didn't have any sales for this item. And that's because that item's out of stock. And you don't need to go and walk there to figure out it's out of stock because the system is telling you it's out of stock. So you can right away, you know, trigger replenishment and actually it's being replenished, right? So it's these kind of efficiencies where you generate tasks, but the tasks in that sense are much more really grounded in data, right? Because you already know that item is not there. You don't need to have to send someone there to go and figure this out. And then what's going wrong? You, you, have, a, you have an image of that store, of that store set up and say, hey, something's missing, missing there. And that's the reason why you're not selling it, right? Yeah, so less of let's double check reality and more like, hey, we understand reality and it's not the way it needs to be. Let's take an action. Exactly, right? Um, so much more yep. directed. And, and in that sense, is it really helps drive costs, right? Like, like, like we, one of the examples that, we, that, that we've seen is, and, and it's initially, I actually, I couldn't believe it because it, it sounded like, it sounded like, huh? Right? In, you know, in store order fulfillment, you know, whether it's by curbside pickup or e-commerce, is it has grown tremendously in COVID times, right? And, and dipped a little bit lately after COVID, but it's still like very prevalent. And and we were talking to a retailer and, and they were telling us, look, for every second that we reduce the average pick time for an item and we pick in the stores, we're saving in the tens of millions. And I was just like, huh, like one second? Really? Like like in in, in but when you do the math. It's you know sort of comes down to the you know to the law of large numbers, right? If if you're picking a billion items, and your average pick time goes down from thirty seconds to twenty nine seconds, and you correlate that with your manual labor cost, and that ends up being a significant saving in manual labor cost. So tying back to whether this is now manually captured with the mobile phones or with the with robots, if you really know where things are in the store, not only where the system are telling you where they should be, but you actually really know where they are. As a picker, you don't need to go and search around, oh, this item is supposed to be in that location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If not, you start spending 30 seconds looking for that item. That 30 seconds run really costs you. Not on that one item that you pick, but if you sort of scale that across 1 billion picks a year, across all of your stores, and the number of times that happens, this is really costing you money, right? And, and I think this is where we're seeing these, these sort of, this concept of a digital twin that is enabled by 
the digital twin of the store that gives you the the, the as is yes yes or really you know whether this is prices whether this is picking whether install of a firm and we're seeing a lot of these different use cases benefiting from that that underlying you know ground truth of data huh i it's an interesting note to end on here the digital twin of a retail store we've heard digital twins you know, a hundred times on the podcast over the years, but never actually a replica of a retail store. Interesting to think about that as the future we're kind of headed towards so that people are working off of a, a digital reality that they can make decisions off of instead of having to physically check all the different dark corners. So hopefully that's some food for thought for some of the, those of you who are tuned in in the retail space. Christian, I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for being able to join us on the show. Sounds good. Great to be here. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. A big thank you to Christian for being able to be with us here. And thank you to you, our listener, for tuning in all the way through to the end of this episode. I certainly appreciate it. As I mentioned at the top of this episode here, this was an interview sponsored by Scandit. If your company offers AI-related products or services, and if you're interested in reaching director-level contacts through audio, email, webinars, articles, and more. You can learn more about Emerge's audience at emerj.com slash ad1. That's ad like advertising and the number one, emerj.com slash ad1. And whether it's co-branded research, podcast episodes, or direct demand generation in specific industry sectors, the media kit that you'll download on that page will be able to have a basic breakdown of, of how companies work with Emerge. Again, that's emerj.com slash ad1. That's all for this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. I look forward to catching you on the next one. You're on the AI and Business Podcast.